Hello, and welcome to episode three of Emma and Rebecca Talk IP. This is a series where we spend a few minutes each week or so taking a look at something that has caught our attention in the world of intellectual property and trying to unravel what's really going on. I'm Emma Isles. And I'm Rebecca Gay. Um, so this week we're moving on from Clive Palmer and his copyright fight with Twisted Sister to talk about a topic which has a bit of a culinary flavour to it. So, Emma, what do you think of when you think cheese, olives and honey? Well, probably the start of an excellent cheese board. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but that's not quite what I had in mind. I was thinking more about the debate that's been happening in the IP space as a result of certain countries trying to protect their local producers through names that are said to be geographical indications. So perhaps before we dive into the battle for exclusivity in the world of cheese and honey, we start with just what is a, a geographical indication? Yes, that's a great idea. So generally speaking, if you adopt the definition of geographical indications under the TRIPS agreement, which is one of the main international treaties governing IP rights, a geographical indication is an indication which identifies a good as originating in a particular country, region or locality where a given quality, reputation or other characteristic is essentially attributable to its geographical origin. So, for example, the term champagne is a geographical indication and it denotes sparkling wine produced using a particular method in the Champagne region of France. And back in 2008, Australia signed an agreement with the European community that restricts the use of terms like champagne and other wine names in Australia, hence why we have sparkling wine. But apart from that agreement and the legislation that was enacted in Australia to give effect to it, is it possible to have a geographical indication in Australia, Rebecca? Uh, that's a good question, Emma, because we don't have a regime for protecting geographical indications in the same way that we do for other types of rights like patents and copyright. But what Australian producers can do to effectively get protection for a geographical name is apply for a particular type of trademark, which is known as a certification trademark. And for those type of trademarks, the protected goods also need to possess particular standards or characteristics which are set out in their trademarks rules. And there are some other differences for applying for these types of marks, uh, including that you actually have to have an application considered by the ACCC as well as by the Trademarks Office. And a great example of that is when we see the Australian made logo. So that's an example of a certification trademark and it has a set of rules which govern what types of products can be marketed using that Australian made logo. So Emma, why has there been so much talk in the news about geographical indications recently? It seems there have been a lot of politicians talking about honey and feta and it's serious business. <laughs> well, Australia is currently negotiating a free trade agreement with Europe. And as part of that, Europe would like Australia to introduce stronger protection for geographical indications. And if you think about it, it's quite easy to see why the EU is so keen on strong protection for geographical indications. Internationally, the countries of the EU have some of the most famous geographical indications. So if the EU can convince Australia to adopt new protections, that will have significant benefits for European producers. It sure would, uh, and some significant downside for Australian producers. So I saw an article in the Fin Review last week which was noting that if Europe gets its way, then Australian producers would not be able to market their cheese under the name feta or olives under the name calamata, 
Prosecco would also be a no-go zone and so would Parmigiana. I think there's something like 200 names on Europe's wish list uh, that it wants recognised as geographical indications. So, so where is it all up to at the moment, Emma? Well, things aren't exactly moving along quickly. Australia and the EU have been negotiating the potential trade deal since June 2018, uh, and the EU has been pushing throughout for increased protection for GIs. Last year, the Australian government initiated a consultation run by IP Australia into what a potential new geographical indication regime might look like, and that consultation closed in November 2020. So we are really still waiting to see where we will go from here and whether Australia will continue to resist Europe's demands or whether we'll reach agreement on at least a subset of the proposed geographical indications. I mean, we could end up with something like China, for example, who has a bilateral agreement with Europe, uh, which protects 100, not 200, European GIs, but also protects 100 Chinese GIs. Uh, in the meantime... Australia has also found itself debating geographical indications with one of our closer neighbours. It's a bit of a sticky situation, isn't it, Emma? <laughs> yes, it is. We should see um, how many honey-related puns uh, we can pack into for the last few minutes of today's podcast. Okay. Because we're about to, <laughs> we're about to delve into the Trans-Tasman Honey War, which everyone is buzzing about. Uh, in particular, a dispute between Australian and New Zealand beekeepers relating to manuka honey. That's right, Emma. And manuka honey is a really lucrative product for both Australian and New Zealand producers. It's said to have lots of health benefits. It's usually sold at a much higher price and it's exported to countries all over the world. So why all the angry buzzing about manuka honey recently then, Rebecca? Haha. <laughs> ha. Uh, well, the crux of the dispute is that a group of beekeepers who produce manuka honey in New Zealand have over recent years been applying for either certification trademarks or geographical indication protection for the word manuka in various countries around the world. And the New Zealand beekeepers say, well, manuka is a Maori word for the plant which the bees feed on to produce the honey. And so honey, the Manuka honey is intrinsically tied to New Zealand. However, Australian producers of Manuka honey argue that the plant is also native to Australia and they are pushing back against attempts by the New Zealand beekeepers to get geographical indications or certification marks which tie production to New Zealand. And uh, just a fun fact as an aside, Rebecca, do you know which plant it relates to? Uh, I do not. It's the um, tea tree. Is it really? Yeah, which we <laughs> obviously have Australia. Yeah, we do. Um, but anyway, as we were discussing <laughs> earlier in relation to feta, if the New Zealand beekeepers are successful, then the Australian beekeepers aren't going to be able to sell their honey under the name Manuka. So that has the potential to really impact on how Australian beekeepers market and sell their honey uh, in export markets around the world. And so not surprisingly, in recent weeks, we've seen reports um, in the media of Australian beekeepers actually seeking support from the Australian government to provide them with the assistance they need to be able to stop the applications uh, which are being made by the New Zealand beekeepers uh, all around the world. That's right. And in early April, it was reported that Australian beekeepers were seeking financial support from the federal government um, to assist them in seeking to oppose the application um, that the New Zealand beekeepers have been making in seven countries for certification trademarks for Manuka. 
However, at that point, uh, the federal government instead suggested uh, that the Australian and New Zealand beekeepers hold a workshop to discuss the dispute, uh, perhaps appealing to the hive mind mentality. Oh, that, that's a good one. <laughs> um, it will be interesting to see how all of this is resolved uh, and whether we do end up with changes to um, geographical indication protections in Australia uh, as a result of the negotiations around the Europe-Australian Free Trade Agreement. Uh, I guess time will tell, although perhaps not in the short term, given the rate at which those negotiations have been moving yeah, and who knew that the Humble Cheese Board could be the battleground for so much international controversy? <laughs> Until next time. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.